Welcome to Seizure Salad, Fuster Cluck Epilepticus, a salty, slightly cynical account of epilepsy and neurological disorders, the synaptic jolts that short-circuit one's world, and a search for answers in efforts to rewire the mind and create a new life. Oh, and a whole lot of tangents. And now, Seizure Salad, with your host and electrostatic meat sack, Micah Beard. You don't remember how the hell you ended up indoors. I was on Depakote for a while, and Depakote was just so harsh on my kidneys and my liver. It was just it was just beginning, beginning to be ridiculous. Yeah, and see, I'm on, I'm in the first month of Depakote right now. And the thing is, is the moods, uh, because the previous one I was on, uh, this Ficampa, which is, it's an add-on. So I'm on, I'm on Vimpat. They tried to add Ficampa when they had to postpone everything. They're like, okay, we need to control the seizures. So they put me on Ficampa as well as an adjunct. But that, uh, the diarrhea just was awful. I couldn't hold oh, weight. Yeah. Um, and more than anything else, my the bipolar and the manic depression really started e- becoming exacerbated to a point where it was worse than it had been before the tonic-clonic started coming, through, coming on last year. It got bad. It got really bad. So that was the big... The, the, My emotional state, my mental and emotional state, I think was one of the main reasons that they chose for me Depakote. And they couldn't put me on it at first because my liver, uh, my liver and enzyme levels were too close to the danger zone. Like you were talking about how it wrecked you. Yeah. Um, But over the past year, year and a half, I've really changed some habits, (laughs) a lot less whiskey, obviously. and my liver's in a really good, healthy place. So they, they decided, let's try it, because Depakote's also, um, also prescribed for bipolar disorder and manic depression and stuff like that. And, and so figure, let's kill a couple birds with one stone. Uh, working great so far, but yeah, you know, yeah. got to monitor the liver and the kidneys really, really closely with this. Uh, the Kepra for me. Yeah, it was like a two-week Sorry were, about that. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, it's okay. You were only on, you were on it for two weeks before you were like, this is, this is not. No, it was, it was like, uh, every two weeks I would have to go get my blood drawn just so they can check my levels. Oh, That's Jesus. how worried the doctors were about mine. And they were just like, yeah. So every two weeks I had to go in, get my levels checked. And then I hear back the next day, whether I need to, you know, up my dose or lower it. And they would just kind of move it back and forth. Uh-huh. And see, they always connect this. Oh, like, it's okay. It's, it's good for bipolar and other, uh, you know, mental disorders as well. And it's like, okay, well, why aren't you guys learning to associate this more alongside with epilepsy? I mean, you guys are already seeing the similarities and using the medications for it. Why not do the studies to figure out what is similar, what, what in the brain is happening? So that way you can create a med for both. Uh-huh. Okay. I, you've got a really good point there. Um, I think maybe a cross study between um, psychiatry and and neurology. We're looking at, because you've got a really good research base uh, and archive in the psych- psychiatric community on these different disorders, on the different mental disorders, how they see them. And then you've got the neurological side that's looking at the electro maps, the EEGs, the MRIs, and there's a little bit of a crossover here and there, but if you could find 
a way to really cross-reference the two, you would probably, like you would mention, be able to narrow it down to a point where, okay, this and this and this most common is coming this way. And I think they're trying to start to do it, but there's so much pushback from both sides. You know, those hardcores, there's some hardcore neurologists out there that are still like, oh, no, mind and body are separate. That's just fucking psychological mental shit that has nothing to do with the physical. No, it kind of has everything. And to do they're with not it. the ones going through it because, you knew, you know, like our epilepsy is physical, but it still affects us psychologically. So, right. I mean, you know, we're affected in two different ways at the same time. You know, I mean, it's, it's the ones that aren't going through it are like, no, they can't be together. It's like, well, this, or maybe they're not working together, but this is a byproduct of what's going on with me, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's more along the lines of like, you know, ask somebody who goes through it, you know, I mean, I understand you're studying medically on it, but do more studies with people who are going through it and who aren't, you know, and, mm-hmm. and see what we can do to get, you know, some of that information out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you've read up on it and I'm a coffee junkie comes from me too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It comes from getting up early in the morning, opening up the mic at five o'clock, stuff like that. Um, But yeah, it's so, Oh man, I totally lost my train of thought. That's something the Depakote does too. (laughs) short term memory is shot to shit. Um, what were, yeah okay so you know if people would pay a little bit more attention to some of the side effect listings on some of these drugs go in and cross reference with like you know webmd the mayo clinic epilepsy.org take a look at it and what you notice is that common symptoms of common symptoms this isn't like possible symptoms this is common symptoms of um Epilepsy, epilepsy um, include bipolar, being, get, being bipolar, depression, uh, random mood swings, possible um, um, manic, manic disorders and, and psychosis down the road. Uh, I went through this because it was undiagnosed for 47 years, you know, or misdiagnosed when I was younger. Totally missed because I didn't have the big one until I was 47 years old. And so everyone thought I was full of shit, you know, or the science and shit wasn't there because nobody know unless they know you really, really well, nobody really notices those smaller seizures, those presents and aura seizures where you get the rotten egg smell and nobody sees it. Nobody sees it. You don't know if it's normal or not, you know, unless you're growing up in the Brady bunch, you're afraid to tell people because... What are they going to think? What yeah. are they going to say? Exactly. And, you know, as I, as I was telling you in my email, you know, I mean, they first diagnosed me with narcolepsy yeah. and they thought that that was what was going on. And I was telling them about the exact feelings you were having. And they were like, well, yeah, that's a symptom of narcolepsy. It's uh, paralysis, partial paralysis. And it's due to like, you having nightmares. I'm like, it has nothing to do with the nightmare. I was like, I just, I can't move. I feel like I'm in a nightmare almost just because I'm trying to speak. I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to, you know, move around, but I just don't have that, that connection with my brain to move my hand up and down or to say anything. Um, And a lot of people don't notice it because, you know, with us, we try to, we try to focus on, making it not so obvious to our own selves because we don't want to recognize it sometimes uh, that we forget to, you know, 
show everybody that that's what we go through. So they think we're just sitting there and it's like, no, that's pretty normal with Austin. It's like, yeah, okay. But I don't want it to be normal. I'm going through a seizure right now. And you're just, you know, everybody's kind of sitting there watching me and they're like, what's going on? Like, are uh-huh. you mad? No, I'm not mad. I just can't really talk right now. So, <laughs> and, <laughs> but yeah, they, they were like, that's a side effect of narcolepsy. I'm like, okay. So I looked more into it and I was like, okay, yeah, I believe it. And then, then they started giving me all these, uh, you know, uh, prescriptions that are meant to get your brain moving, you know, and my mind's already going fast enough. My brain's working too fast and they stimulate it more. And that's what actually started my, uh, my grand mal and my other seizures, you know, before that it was more like a mental issue. Uh Uh-huh. But in a way, I'm thankful for because now I kind of know what's going on instead of just guessing. You know, I thought it was just more along lines of I was depressed or, you know, I had some bad thoughts or something like that. Now there's actually a medical side to it that I'm like, okay, now we can figure this out and make it better. Uh huh. So, I mean, and I'm thankful for even missed studies that they've done. Yeah. You froze up just a second there, dude. Sorry. Oh. No. <laughs> The pleasure of Zoom. We're going to break up here in a second. Nope. I think I'm back on. Okay. Sorry, dude. No, you're good. But I totally understand and, and agree with you in that um, you feel without that, without that diagnosis, you feel that it's your fault. You feel that there's something I should be doing to be a normal functioning member of, of everything else, you know? Why can't you pay attention? Why can't you do this? Yeah. And so in a way, I'm really glad that, like you said, it it sucks. Uh, But at the same time, given that you were going through all this shit throughout the years, I totally relate to to the anxiety and the self-doubt and the the shit that you feel going through that stuff, not being able to explain it. And the fact that it happened to you more or less when it happens to a lot of people as, as far as like the breakout stuff at 27 instead of 47, I think is a good thing for your family and your kids. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I found out after, you know, my son went through his childhood in tweens and it's like, now it's, it's, it's weird. It's a little bit awkward and it's a different setting like that. So the fact that you've got this great family and a, and a support group and your kids are awesome, by the way, kids are really beautiful. I saw a couple of those pictures. Um, Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, Yeah, man. They're, they're, they're everything to me, man. And they've taken this so well too. I mean, Mm -hmm. my daughter, she's, she's straight up. Like she keeps an eye on me. She's (laughs) like, are you not feeling good dad? I'm like, no, I'm okay. You know? And if I don't, she'll lay there next to me and she'll, you know, I got a big support system. That's, that's the best part of it. You know I mean? Um, at first, it was like, because just at first, I still feel like I put a burden on them because it's a lot, you know, hospital right. trips all the time, you know, ambulances coming up to the house all the time. And, you know, um, normally my wife knows I don't like the ambulance to be called in case, unless it was like really needed. But, yeah. you know, they still experience it. They still, you know, have to go through all that. But I, even though I know it's not a burden to them, it's still always right there in the back of my head, you know, but I'm also happy too, because they'll grow up knowing if they see somebody on the side, you know, having a seizure, they can help them. They know what to do instead of trying to put something in their mouth or, you know, right. doing everything wrong, you know, they, Shaking can, they know them, what to do. To, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
my son has been my son has been my greatest pillar in this you know he he's 15 so 15 year olds don't talk to anybody but their friends and their girlfriends and shit like that you know i totally get it but those moments that we have where we can confide in each other and even if it's not spoken but just you know those things and i know he's got my back you know the poor guy saw me the poor my two biggest events he was the only person there. He was the one who had to call 911. That's a lot to ask for anybody's child, let alone your own son. So that, my parents, my friends, um, I was single, mountain bum, not much, you know, one of those old ski bum adrenaline junkie types living in a ski resort town. And so when this happened, and I was, I was one of those classic Americans. There's so many of us out there. One emergency, one emergency away from losing everything. That's what happened to me in, in April of 2019, you know? And I would have been on the streets. I would have been completely homeless had it not been for my family and my friends, you know? And even my ex, you know, her and her husband, and they've stepped forward with support that's, it's amazing, man. And no matter how much capital and how much savings and how much whatever material gains that you can come about, if you don't have that kind of support, you're not going to get better. You ain't got shit. Yeah. This is to my sick kids. Time to flip this shit. Depakote, Adderall, Ritalin, Pixie Sticks. I don't give a fuck what you're riding to the setting sun. Use it as a weapon when it's said and done. It's all too much. Seizure Salad, Fuster Cluck Epilepticus is produced and hosted by Michael Ball. The song Seizure Boy, courtesy of Watsky, and used with permission. Find more great music and poetry on his website, georgewatsky.com. Original logo painting by Brent Olson of Olson Studios. Follow our podcast, like our Facebook page. Whatever floats your boat, just keep listening. And join us again soon for another episode of Seizure Salad. Until then, remember to unexpect the expected, and that it's all in your head. That glass, take a minute to sit at the whip, and then I'm gonna mash on gas. Cause I'll be crashing that impasse with that ass syntax. Skinny motherfucker off a bucket of slim fast.